This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Tis the season for festive football and the best way to watch it? Down at your local Green King Sports Pub, of course. After all, Christmas is a time to catch up with friends old and new. So get the team to your local for refreshing pints, delicious food and live action of every Christmas cracker. Every fixture from TNT, Sky and Amazon is live at Green King Sport. That means wall-to-wall action on their huge HD screens. Head to your local Green King and watch every winning goal, top bins volley and dodgy VAR decisions in an atmosphere worth sharing. Download the Green King Sport app and you'll receive 10% off drinks every single time there's sport on the telly. Brian, you have spent pretty much your whole career being known as Stag. You still are to this day. How did you get that nickname? Because my fucking name's Deer. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Hamway Podcast Christmas Special with myself, Dave Walker, and XWHU employee. What a kick in the bollocks it was for the 6,000 West Ham fans that travelled to Anfield for the Cup quarterfinal on Wednesday. We reluctantly discussed that performance, being desperately close to Code Red 2, the annual Christmas quiz, and some powerful words from Thomas Suchek before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Hamway. Unfortunately, it's bar humbug for the first part of this Christmas special because we have to talk about that shower of shit on Wednesday. Give us your thoughts, mate. Oh, yeah, majorly disappointing. You know, I, I came on this show and um, I sort of pleaded with fans not to have a meltdown if we lost, but I can't, I can't justify what he did, and I can't defend him in this occasion because you know it's such an important game, a quarterfinal of a cup. You know, you look at the teams left in it, you fancy our chances, and you know, six thousand fans travel all that way to Liverpool, us two being two of them, and you know, and you get a, a, a B team put out that puts out zero effort and you know it was a disgrace really to lose 5-1 in such an important game and just the, the the performance was terrible I mean other than the obvious goal I don't think we threatened their goal at all um, and it was just really really disappointing you know I, I understand there's a lot of fixtures coming I understand like we've played many fixtures compared to other teams but if you're going to prioritise rotation you should have rotated against Manchester United a, mm. a home game a week or 10 
team than Liverpool. I know Liverpool rested some players, but still I'd fancy that. Liverpool side to beat Man United. And um, and it's a league game where, you know, all right, three points are, are important, but cup semi-finals are more important than three points in my eyes, particularly for a team that has never won the League Cup and, you know, hasn't won many cups in its lifetime. And I just feel very, very deflated and very disappointed. And I can't defend Moyes and I, I can't, I think, you know, say don't have a meltdown. I mean, I think some of the reaction has been has been too extreme, but I totally get everyone being pissed off in the situation, definitely. Absolutely. And it was deja vu for me, X. I mean, he did this against Arsenal in the quarterfinal as well, didn't he? That was another mm. opportunity missed. We mm. were there that night. And Arsenal put out a much weaker side for that game. So guess what? Rather than take advantage of that, he fully rotates with fringe and you. Some of them were out of position and we get turned over. I mean, it's the quarterfinal of a competition that we've never won, like you say. Have a go, for fuck's sake. Give ourselves the best possible chance of winning the game. Why would he not do that? It doesn't make any sense. Because he yeah. does kind of give the impression that he's preserving players for Premier League. But I'd rather have beaten Liverpool and lost to Man United. It's as simple as that. You know, mm. losing to Man United would have been one game out of a 38-game season. You lose the cup quarter final, that's it, you're done until the next season. And he mm. talks about fixture congestion and the players being tired. If these finely tuned athletes are in that much of a desperate need for a rest, rotate against Man United. Give the Bristol City game to the kids. I'm not mm. being funny. We don't play in Europe now till fair, but how much fucking rest do these players need? Mm, I know, and, and I think uh, you know you made a point there as well. Rather than sort of churning out the old fringe players that just aren't performing for us now, like you know, for now's Ben Rama, great servants for West Ham over their time here. You know, ben Rama, as as much as last season, or as recently as last season, was run up in Hammer of the Year, but they just haven't performed this season. Og Bonner looks like he's he's finished sadly. As much as I love Oggy and what he's brought to this club since he's been here, you know, if you are going to rotate like that, then you then maybe give Kaelin Casey a game. Yes, it would have been a big game to frame into understandably you might want to risk that um, in that respect but it's much better to have players out there that are gonna at least give it a go and I just think it was just so so frustrating I, I you know, to, to get to that stage. And you know, if we'd won it, we'd be saying now we're in the semi-finals. I think they, you know, you know, you, know, you never say for sure you'd get the team that um, in this next round that the team that knocked you out got, but obviously they got Fulham. Um, so you'd, over two legs, I know they battered us at Craven Cottage this year, but you'd, you'd think over two legs, you'd have a strong chance and then it'd probably be Chelsea in the final, which would have been a classic you know, a classic encounter, West Ham, Chelsea, cup final. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's just been taken away from us. And, you know, as I said, there was a, you know, there was a sickness bug, but and I, I was the one that reported it. Admittedly, many people changed my words to make it out as if the whole squad had been hit. Um, what was, what had happened is that, as I knew, is that Aguerd and Cornet hadn't travelled, but Cornet probably wouldn't have played. Yes, Aguerd's a bit of a loss because you don't tend to play Zoom two games in a row so I get that Gwen and that Gwen was a loss and I think Cresswell was ill on the on the eve of the game and but you know it's it's still there's still no need to drop Packetar there's still no need to drop James Ward-Prowse you know those two particularly when would have given us much better options going forward than um them without them and, I, and I, I'd like to think and I'm in fact pretty certain that I know the answer that if you'd said to Ward Prowse and to Packetar do you want to play in this cup quarterfinal against Liverpool 
considering they were both on the bench, and I think both of them would have said yes. So it's very frustrating. Mm, absolutely. I'm gutted, mate. Absolutely mm. gutted. Because like you say, if we beat Liverpool, we're left with Chelsea, Fulham and Middlesbrough. And I think we become the bookies' favourite to win that competition if we get yeah. that far. And above anything else, it's it's completely disrespectful to the 6,000 fans that travelled there on a cold, rainy Wednesday night, five days before Christmas, just to ultimately give up before we'd even kicked off. Mm. And I, I've said it a million times, West Ham fans will always suffer defeats. We're used to them, always. But on the condition that the players give 110%, but that's also assuming that the manager also gives 110%. And on Wednesday, we got neither. Yeah. It's just unbelievably uh, no, frustrating. Massively. And, and the, what's frustrating, you know, for me as well, is that I, I've take, I spent a lot of time defending David Moyes, as do, do many people, against people that are very negative towards him. You know, you, you say, look at what we've achieved, look at where we are, we're in a cup quarterfinal, blah, 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 blah. And then, and then he goes and does something like that, where, you know, you are in a cup quarterfinal, and yet he's basically sacrificed the tie. And it's very, very hard to then come out and say, well, okay, uh, yeah, I'm going to continue to defend him. It's very hard when he does something like that. I think, of course, as they always are, some of the reactions, you know, calling him all sorts of names and he needs to try to get p- petitions to get him to walk tomorrow are over the top. But I can understand the, the, the fans' anger towards what happened on Wednesday because it was a piss take. It was a complete disrespect to, um, to the away fans. Fans to fans in general to the team. You know, if we like you said, if we'd gone up there, put a strong team out, you know, maybe even put a strong team out, played okay, lost two or three nil, you always say, well, yeah, okay, we tried. And we did like we you know, it, it wasn't to be around a lot of games. You could maybe start to make excuses for him, but when he does it like that, you can't make an excuse for him and Sadly, we're now out of the League Cup again, um, and you do wonder what would have been if he'd put a full-strength team out. Mm. And if you wasn't already pissed off after that game, have a listen to the Gaffer's post-match interview. Boss, a tough night. Yeah, it did. Too tough. Too good a team for us. As simple as that. We can talk all we like about it, but far too strong, far too quick. Uh, no much better than we, we are. Obviously, you've made some changes to your team, but you sent out a team hoping that and expecting that they perform well enough to keep us in the tie. And, and you know, if we could win it in normal time, we get to penalties. And it just didn't play out. No, we're, we're, we're given we're given the players and the team opportunities. We're we've been questioned a wee bit about rotating, not rotating enough. Well, maybe people look at it and see. Well, maybe the manager's making the right choice because he's playing the ones who thinks he can get them the results. And uh, I don't think it was necessarily down to any individuals. I think we we gave away. A dreadful second goal, which really was the was the biggest key. We had we'd hung in in the game in the first half. We got to half time one 0 down. We still had a chance. Mm. We knew that, and they uh, actually thought we'd started to grow into the game, and, and they got the they got a really really shabby second goal. Was it a catch twenty two switch situation? Because obviously at half time you could see that you were thinking about making some changes. Obviously Lucas was stripped off just before they scored. Was it sort of do I change it or do I stick with my plan and hope that as you say we were sort of growing into the game and that we keep growing into it? Well, we, we didn't want to play them for 45 minutes. We, we, we try to. We want to save some of the players who've been playing, probably all the European games, uh, all the Premier League games, and we're trying to find a way of giving those boys a breathing space somewhere. But we're also trying to give the other boys who've not in the game an opportunity to show what they can do. Uh, you know, again, 
can use the word rotate we've not rotated that often we did in the early early games in Europe and in some of them where performances weren't that good so you know, we just need to see what we've got but I'm going to need a lot of these boys over the busy period and uh, you know, African nations for example players are going to go away so these are the players who are going to be involved in the in the coming weeks and months from a personal point of view disappointed because obviously beating Arsenal and the way we've performed in the last few yeah. weeks in the main we've been really good so yeah. from a, from your personal point of view disappointed we wanted to go at this one we do but you know how do you do it with the, with the scheduling we've had and keeping the players going I mean I'm, I'm worried now for the weekend because I think there's a couple played longer than, than I should have done and lastly then obviously 6,000 fans terrible weather I mean nobody goes out there to lose a game that's the sentiment isn't it no by the way I've got to say uh, no thank you to the it was a brilliant support we had up here tonight it really was and uh, it played its part we stuck at it for most of the first half we tried to be resilient but they were too they were far too good for us they were they were at a different level completely from what we're at they were too good the performance possibly proves why he shouldn't give certain players a chance and now he's worried about the weekend inspirational words in that Churchillian style speech from David Moyes there and a way day to forget that's for sure but I tell you what X it could have got a lot fucking worse for me couldn't it on the way home, sitting in gridlock traffic, my guts are starting to rumble, right? But it's not a hunger rumble. It's an all-too-familiar rumble that typically never ends well, right? So I'm starting to panic because, like I say, this is gridlock traffic. There's nowhere to go. So I've told X that I think I'm in a bit of trouble, and he said, why don't you get out and jump over that barrier into the field, right? So that was option one. The second option was to just shit myself in the car, but no. typically X, he wasn't having any of that. So, <laughs> so selfish of me again. <laughs> you know, always thinking a, of himself. Always know, thinking of himself. If I was a real friend, I'd, I would have loved. I would have <laughs> let you quite happily shit all over my passenger seat, um, and, then, and then have to drive three hours home whilst you probably slept the whole way um, back next to me. <laughs> selfish, selfish X. <laughs> I've got to say, I was starting to panic genuinely but by the grace of god it passed until about 45 minutes later when it came back but this time it was twice as bad as luck would have it we were coming up to a services so x morphed into fucking michael from knight rider to get me there i've <laughs> leaped out the car and as soon as I'm, I'm i'm walking towards the services the guts have just trebled over again. And I'm getting flashbacks now of Ibiza, code red, right? It was very, very similar. So you can understand why I'm really starting to panic. And I'm now starting to walk towards the services like the fucking secret lemonade drinker to get to the toilet. <laughs> and as I've done it, a few farts have slipped out, right? And I had no control over these, by the way. All I had was hope at this point. And there was about four that squeezed themselves out. But the fifth one felt more like what I can only describe as like a warm seep. <laughs> and, and I thought, oh my God, I can't believe it. I've shit myself. And then I've realised that I'm wearing light grey jogging bottoms. So every man and his dog is going to know I've shit myself. So I've got into a blind panic now, right? I'm clenching my ass like you've never seen fucking anyone clench their ass before in their life. I'm in an absolute panic. I've taken my hoodie off and tied it around my waist so at least no one can see the state of me. I finally got to the toilet, absolutely fucking pebble-dashed the pan, and then to my overwhelming relief, realised that I hadn't actually shit myself. So it must have been what I now call a phantom seep. 
That's so disgusting. Just even, just those words alone are revolting. <laughs> let alone the actual, let alone the action as well. It's like the word moist. I always think that sounds horrible. But seep. Oh God, that's horrible. Very, very, very close to the sequel of Code Red. There, very. Yeah. Close. I mean, I must, I must admit, when I was driving, it was. Um, and you were sort of explaining to me what the current situation was, <coughs> and then we were in that traffic. It did start to become quite a um, a horrible, like flashback to IB for, for for me too. And that's why I like literally couldn't think of what were sensible options. You know, getting out and going over the fence on the hard shoulder actually at the time probably seemed the most logical thing to do. I did consider offering you a bag, but then I thought, geez, this is not gonna this is not gonna end well. That's for sure. Um, and it was just yeah, there was genuine fear in my driving. But thankfully, oh. thankfully, yeah. I think I think God may have taken pity on us because after that defeat and so on, he thought I can't put them through another shit show. So I'm gonna I'm gonna actually uh, aid and abet them and let him get to the toilet quickly. And yeah. thank fuck you did. Yeah, I mean, it could have been an absolute disaster for me. And bearing in mind, I just watched and that. And me as well. I mean, it's not exactly pleasure, yeah, yeah. is for me? <laughs> <laughs> That's why you advised me to go in the field. I think you just wanted me far away from the car as fucking possible. I did, I did, mate. <laughs> Especially as I just bought my nice new Black Magic air freshener at the weekend, you know, it would have been game over, wouldn't it? What a waste of £3 that was. <laughs> There's no way that would have to mate. Let's be honest. No, exactly. Um, uh, you know, listen, I'll be honest. Uh, I was overwhelmed with relief when I got back in the car and we made our way back home. But I was just happy to see the back of Liverpool. I, I, I cannot stand that place. I can't. <laughs> it, we were saying, X, even the areas in Liverpool sound aggressive, didn't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, you've got, yeah. Oh, Hayton. I'm sure it's cursed Liverpool you know I can't stand it um but let's move on Man United at home tomorrow how do you feel about the game well, it's difficult to know really because again I don't know what he's gonna do with the team obviously I haven't heard it at this stage but I'm assuming going on what he did against Liverpool we're gonna hopefully be back to to full strength I think having let five goals in I don't uh, you know, I think one of them certainly he could have done better on having watched it back but how much he can blame the keeper I don't know but for me I'd put Fabianski straight back I'd literally go to the same team against Wolves you know that so that's um everyone back in that played in that game that's that's fit and available to play and you have to say to the players look we sacrificed that game on on Wednesday so that we get a result here and I think Manchester United are at the worst they've ever been that I can remember since I've supported football I think like you know you think I first like going early 1990-1991 was my first season have Manchester United ever been in a worse position you know they're out of Europe um, you know they're not in the League Cup um, they're struggling in the league all their players don't seem to want to play for the club the fans don't seem to like the manager they're in limbo in takeover bids and stuff so like you, you couldn't want for a better time to play Manchester United so on the the back of the fact that he's rested that all those players as well all of them need to come straight back in and, and we need to go for the three points in this game because you know if we beat Manchester United and um, you know we put in a decent performance against Arsenal and then is it Brighton after that and beat Brighton 
You know, the Liverpool game, you know, you're never going to get over that disappointment, I don't think. But it starts to filter down a bit if if we then have decent league performances. Because you can say, I did sacrifice the cup. I don't agree with him sacrificing the cup. But he's made the league his priority and it's, and it's worse. But if we end up losing against Manchester United, we're probably going to lose to Arsenal no matter what. And then we lose against Brighton. You kind of feel, what was the point of that? And then the whole negativity starts up, I think, in order to nip again the negativity that's around you know we need a really free points against them yeah absolutely mate I, I can't really add to that it is a good time to play them I don't know what physical state the players are in our players I mean so like you I'm kind of guessing with the selection I would absolutely mm. go with the same if possible against Wolves um, and take the game to them take the game to them take the handbrake off no sitting back you know just take advantage of the fact that they're not at their best Man United and let's try and make amends for what was an absolute terrible turnout on Wednesday terrible <laughs> I think it's time for our annual Christmas quiz what do you reckon? Yeah, <laughs> I'm always a bit nervous, but uh, yeah, it's always fun, so go for it. <laughs> well, listen, you are the only one competing in this quiz, and there are no prizes, so uh, this does kind of make this quiz borderline pointless, I'll be honest. <laughs> challenge, and I'm sure the listeners will be playing as well, so let's just do it. Yeah? Uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought that was just part of your intro, yeah, yeah, go yeah. for it. Just waiting for some Christmas enthusiasm from you. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Yeah. Yes, mate. Let's definitely do that. Thank you, sir. Crack on. <laughs> right. Okay. If you get the answer right, you'll hear this. And if you get the answer wrong, you'll hear this. Two rounds, 10 questions per round, a point for each correct answer. Are you ready for round one? I am indeed. Crack on, sir. Good stuff. Right. The subject matter for round one is... The West Amway podcast, Extra Time. Okay? Oh, God. <laughs> this doesn't look... Already, I don't feel confident. <laughs> Joe! I know it is, but... Jeez, there's a lot of roller coaster moments in those shows, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Question one. Who was the 100th interview that we published on Patreon? Was it A, Gavin Holligan? B, Idris Kanu or C, David Connolly? Wow. Idris Kanu just seems absolutely ages ago. I can't even remember doing that one really. So I'm going to, he was a top lad. I remember him being a top lad, but um, so I'm going to rule that one out. Who was the first one he said, sorry? Gavin Holligan. Right, yeah. Um, I actually have absolutely no idea. I have no idea. Um, I need to try and think of something that could logically get me an answer, but I can't, I can't think um, of anything, really. Uh, let's go David Connolly, then. So you're going for C, David Connolly? Yeah. Okay, let's see if you're right. It was Idris Kanu, X. Oh, no. That's, I mean, what an honour for Idris. It's probably the greatest achievement in his career, to be fair, but no, 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 no disrespect to Idris because you're a good lad and a good player. But, uh, yeah, um, okay, fair play, Idris. Well done, mate. <laughs> yeah, you can try because I know I'm Take these quizzes very seriously. And, uh, I do. Uh, you yeah. don't like getting off to a bad start. So, no, uh, that was a terrible start. He was the one I ruled out. So, Okay, well, let's get on question two, okay? When we interviewed Mervyn Day, who did he tell us he supported growing up? Was it A, Tottenham, B, 
Arsenal or C Chelsea? Oh my god. Uh oh, fucking hell. I literally have no idea. Um Tottenham, Chelsea or Arsenal. I need to think of something logical here. Uh let's go with Chelsea. Interesting. Let's see if you're right. You are right. You're off the mark. Ooh, wow. Well done, X. Well I, done. I can't take any credit for that, mate. That was literally pick eeny, meeny, miny, mo. So uh, I think, I think if it, I think it, if it was Spurs, I think I would have remembered it. That's what was in my head. It was. It can't be them because I think I would have remembered if it was Spurs. So then I just went with with what one and which one seemed more likely out of two of them. So congratulations, yeah. mate. Well, I'm hoping that's done wonders for your confidence moving forward. Yeah, it's helped. It's helped. It's a question three. And um, that question is, how did Wally Downs describe the celebrations after our playoff win against Blackpool? Was it A, rubbish, B, brilliant, or C, mediocre? Jesus. Um, uh, I have no idea on that one either. Um, it seems too obvious to say brilliant because like, that would be the, that would be the obvious reaction. I know what you mean. So like mediocre, just such a random word to say as well. Like, that's a bit mediocre. And then... Rubbish seems a bit harsh, so like I don't know. I can't really find any again. Find any like logical answer to this? Um, let's go down the middle and go mediocre. Okay. So that was C mediocre. You chose not to go with A rubbish or B brilliant. You went with C mediocre, and I can tell you that. You're wrong. It was A, rubbish. I was just literally, literally about to say she let me have A. I was going to say it, but then I didn't. Sorry, mate, but the rules don't work like that. You Why know? were they rubbish? Um, well, apparently he said that they had some sort of event on at the stadium, so they had to get the players out very quick, and then nothing was arranged by the club in terms of celebration, so I think he ended up just going out for a meal. Uh, well, fair enough. The rest of the squad, to be honest. With you. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sounded like a bit of a damp squid, in all honesty. So yeah. the word he used was, in fact, rubbish. Mm. No multiple choice on this one. However, oh, the good news is, I'm expecting you to get this. Robbie Slater used to car share with Stan Lazaridis and which other player? Um... Mm. <laughs> There's two two names in my head. One's Marco Bukas, randomly. I'm not even sure if they're at the club at the same time. And the other is Martin Allen. So, yeah, <laughs> this is a tough one. You better not be Googling, mister. I'm not. I'm just thinking Marco Bukas wore... I'm trying to picture him when he got sent off against Man United and he was wearing that... Blue away shirt, wasn't he? With the two red stripes, two claret stripes on it. Yeah. And I've seen some picture of Robbie Slater wearing that kit. Marco Boogers. Marco Boogers. Yes, I'm pleased with that one. I think that's worth winning the quiz alone, just that. <laughs> <laughs> well done, mate. You're at a 50% win rate at the moment. So mm. um, let's hopefully, with a degree of confidence, move to the next question. 
And that question is, what did Mike Small say was the reason for his goal drought at West Ham? He can't was remember. It... There you go, job done, I don't know. Was it A, he can't remember? <laughs> was it B, physical mental tiredness? Or was it C, not fully recovering from injury? <laughs> the, the, the silly thing is, the other two options are perfectly like reasonable explanations. I know. <laughs> the first one's ridiculous. Mike Small, though, actually, you have to take that into account when you're breaking this down. Oh, exactly. So tell me, tell me the scenario again. What was it? So he went through a big goal drought at West Ham. All right. What was, what was the reason for that goal drought in his mind? Was it A, he can't remember? B, <laughs> physical and mental tiredness, or C, not fully recovering from injury? I, th- I think it's got to be, I can't remember, because the other two, from what I remember of that interview, there was no in-depth discussion, and that could have led to a slightly in-depth discussion, so I think I'm going to have to go with, he can't remember. Okay, so you're going for A, he can't remember. Let's mm. find out. Uh... Mate, you're wrong. It's B, physical and mental tiredness. What? Maybe he had that during the interview, but like, <laughs> I can't believe he actually answered. I can't believe he actually answered the question. Jeez, it was one of very few that he did answer. Let me yeah, tell you. That, yeah. <laughs> okay. When Don Hutchison signed for us from Sunderland, which other club were we competing against for his signature? Was it A. Middlesbrough, B. Sheffield United, or C. Rangers? Oh, gosh. So he signed him a second time? Yes. Right. Um, oh, freaking hell. Right, it's not going to be Sheffield United because he'd already played for them, and I don't think they would have had the money to, like, sign him then. It was about 2001, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah, he came as part of the, like, Lampard money under Glen Roder, didn't they? Yeah. What was the other one? Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough says between Middlesbrough and Rangers. Gonna go with Rangers, I think. I'm not confident, but I think that's the only logic I can get in my brain. So I'm gonna go with Rangers. Final answer? Uh, I'm not confident, but I I don't have any other reasons to go with anything else. So yeah, I'm gonna go with them. You are correct. Yes. Well done. Well done. Good. Okay. Shortly after his appearance on the podcast, what advice did Danny Dyer give me for the final in Prague? Was it A, keep your nut down outside of the main square, B, (laughs) the beer is cheap, stuck in, son, or C, get off your cunt too early? (laughs) Great advice around. To be fair, um, uh, I knowing the way Danny speaks generally how a conversation with Danny goes the other two don't they didn't contain a swear word did they no and only the third one had a swear word in it didn't it yeah so I'm gonna go with that one you're going to go with C, don't get off your cunt too early. <laughs> yeah, just because like every, he's, a, he's a bit like you. Every three or four words is a swear word, so <laughs> the others don't have a swear word in, so that's the logic on that one. Oh, X, I can tell you. You've got another one right. Yes. 
<laughs> I love the sort of loose logic when it comes to feud. Like when it actually comes in, because you kind of think maybe that was actually a genuinely good bit of logic that he yeah, swears yeah. every few words, so it's got to be yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Who did Neil Ruddock say was the one player in the dressing room that he never thought would go on to be a manager? Was it A, Paolo Di Canio, B, Michael Carrick, or C, Steve Lomas? Oh. They've all got on to be managers as well. Um, mm-hmm. I guess Paolo Di Canio would be the obvious one because of his eccentricness. But then that does seem a little bit too obvious as well. Um, oh. Let's go with... Let's go with Paolo Di Canio. You sure? No. Well, I will, tell you, I will tell you this. It wasn't Michael Carrick. Yeah. And you just said Paolo Di Canio. I'm going to give you the chance to swap your answer from Paolo oh, you're Di Canio. You're like Chris Tarrant, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to give you... <laughs> you can swap it for Steve Lomas if you want. One of the answers, Paolo Di Canio or Steve Lomas, is the right answer. I'm trying to listen for coughs in the audience. To see if I can get <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I have no reason to swap. I've got, I've got me that answer to start with, so let's stick with it. You've just made the right decision. Yes. It was Paolo Di Canio. Another tick goes on the board and the reason for that is that Razor said that he thought he was always too emotional and too emotional to become a manager yeah that makes sense okay Julian Dix was a very good golfer which former teammate of his did he say was the best golfer he'd played with and that's not multiple choice my first answer that came into my head was John Moncur because um, I know he likes a bit of golf and was very good at it as well and still plays it I think I'm going to go John Moncur. There's no stopping you now, sunshine. That is another correct answer. Well yes. done, Nick. Well done. Very good. You're flying now, mate. You're flying. Yeah, you're, I feel, up, you're actually looking at respectable level now, I think. I feel, I feel better about myself. I thought after the first question, this could be embarrassing, but I'm glad it's not going to be. <laughs> this is the last question of the round, Okay. okay. Okay, and if you get this right, that's five straight correct answers. So very best of luck. We're all on your side here, X, okay? We're all friends. Who was our first ever extra time guest? And when I say that, X, I mean our first ever extra time guest on the Patreon platform. Oh, I would have known. Our first ever... I've got got options for you. Okay. So was it A, Frank McAvenny? Was it B, James Collins? Or was it C, Matty Everington? Wow, that's tough because it could have been realistically all three of them because obviously at the time, Ginge, we were doing quite a lot of weird. We did the Goodbye Ginger event and I seem to remember doing that one quite early on. I can picture it in my head. Matt is a great friend of ours, so he's the sort of person we would have called on when we needed one. And Frank did quite a bit for us back in the day as well. <laughs> my heart is saying James Collins because I think... I think we wanted a really big one to sort of kick Patreon off and show what Patreon was all about. And obviously at the time, you know, we're talking two and a half, three years ago, that had been sort of just after he'd left left West Ham and and so it would have been a big one to have done. Is that your answer? I think so, yeah. Let's go with him, yeah. 
Okay, so you said B, James Collins. You could have chose Frank McAvenny. You could have chose Matty Everington. You chose to go with James Collins. And in doing so, uh, it's cost you a point. Uh, the answer is C, Matty Everington. He really? was the first one we've done. Yep. Wow. Well, we've interviewed him quite a few times now. Must be about, what, four or five or something? Yeah. Yeah, he's a regular on the show. Okay, let's have a count up. Scores on the doors after round one. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six out of ten. That's a respectful score, X. I've got to yeah, say. I know I'll you're take a perfect, that. You're a quiz master, so maybe you're not happy deep down. But given the randomness and how much you have to reach into your brain to unlock your memories with these conversations, six out of ten, mate, if I was you, I'd take that. Yeah, I think I will take it. I, I just, I bet as well. I bet James Collins and Frank McAvenny were quite soon after we started painting as well. Yes. Oh, they would have been. They would have yeah, been. Like in my sort of chronological order, I have randomly in my head. I know we did James Collins early on because I can remember sitting in where I'm sitting now. And I can remember thinking, oh, Patreon's going to love that podcast. And I remember thinking this should get a few more in because obviously at the start, we were still trying to convince people to join us. So I remember being buzzing about the James Collins podcast and thinking that'll do, that'll help us. And and Frank was on quite a few times at the start. So yeah, I reckon they were close. Yeah, yeah, very close. Okay, that is the end of round one. So let's now play round two. If you're ready to, X. Well, I don't know what the round is yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, re- I think I think you might start to panic, but take it from a friend. There's no need to. When I tell you that the subject matter of round two, which is also the final round of the quiz, is Christmas with Mad Dog. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> He's yeah. the most random subject in the world. So <laughs> how am I going to know this? Right now, unbeknownst to you. I had a conversation with Mad Dog. I recorded God. the conversation and I will be playing his answers. What okay. you have to do is tell me what answer he gave to the question I asked him. And well, was- well, I can tell you now, X is a midget. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like you, X. I like you, Dave. Um- <laughs> you well, I'll, be pleased to tell- I'll be pleased to tell you, in the spirit of Christmas, there is nothing personal here. You'll be pleased. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, that could have been horrendous. That's just like a whole <laughs> ten questions of abuse. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all lighthearted, like I say, okay. in the spirit of Christmas. Okay. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the question I asked him, and then I'm going to give you multiple choice as to what he said, and you've got to pick one and see if you're right. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Question one. I asked Martin, what is the worst Christmas present you have ever received? Did he say a Chinese cookery set, <laughs> French lessons, or a pair of socks? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I should explain the answers because I could just really offend him. But like, I can't imagine anyone would think he would be bothered by French lessons because we've all heard his opinions on, on non-English people. <laughs> so, Although maybe um, that's why it was a terrible present. Yeah, oh yeah, true, true. A Chinese cookery set. I just can't, I can't imagine him ever having a need for that. So I'm going to go with socks, I think. So you're locking that in? Yeah. A pair of socks? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's find out. Um... From my stepson, uh, I won't say his name, 
he bought me uh, a Chinese cookery set, two bowls, two chopsticks, some sauces and stuff like that. And it was like, why the hell have you bought me that? It was a a Chinese cookery set, X. Blimey. It's actually quite a nice present, isn't it? Why did, you, why so. did, you, why did you not like it? Because you I can't don't cook. Know. Yeah, well, I, I, I think it's just wasting <laughs> a minute, let's be honest. Yeah, waste. I mean, you, you basically need to feed him. You just get a can of pedigree chum and some mixture, don't you? That's what he needs. Why would he need a, a Chinese cooking set? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very true. Very true. <laughs> okay, the next question I asked Mad Dog was, what is the best Christmas present you have ever received? Did he say, A, a bike, B, football boots, or C, a Casio Illuminator watch? <laughs> There's just nothing to apply logic to here. But, <laughs> um, I don't, the watch doesn't sound too impressive. Maybe it was in the 80s, but... It was a great watch back in the day. Casio, yeah, yeah superb. Was it? Okay, I must have missed out on that then. Um... Almost the specificness of the watch makes me think it's that because a bike and a football's like you know you didn't say a I don't know a mitre football or um, a mountain bike or something. Whereas you was, it, was was that deliberate? That's what you could ask yourself, X. A specific watch name though. Mm, could that be a curveball though? I will tell you this, um, and I'm probably stating the obvious now, it is in relation to a present he received as a child. Right. Okay. I'm going to go with bike. Okay, let's find out. When I was about 10 years old, there was a new bike that was all the rage, and it was called a chopper bike. Yeah. It was one of them where the handlebars were up sort of level with your shoulders. And instead of putting your hands down low like a normal kid's bike, the chopper was the one to get. My mum and dad bought me a chopper. And in the morning, I'd gone into their bedroom to open the presents. And they'd said to me that because money was tight and they were dangerous and they didn't like the handlebars, there wasn't going to be any choppers, any bikes. And they didn't think that they would be appropriate Ten minutes later, I went downstairs to make some toast. I'm right in the middle of the kitchen was a yellow chopper. Oh, my God. I was so happy. X, you were correct. Yes. Thank God. It would have been embarrassing. I didn't get any, right? (laughs) (laughs) A bike that was as well, by the way. It was a chopper. What a Uh, bike back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Proper. That's a proper iconic bike, that one. It really is. It really is. Okay, the next question. What is the one present that Dennis is really hoping for this year. Oh, God. <laughs> Literally could be anything, couldn't it? Let's be honest. Like, you know, from football boots to Sudoku to fucking remote control aeroplane. I don't know. Literally could be anything. <laughs> you know what's this round? Is that you're having to try to predict what the most unpredictable man has said. <laughs> I'm trying to get into his crazy warped world. This is a, it's a world I try to avoid on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Right, okay. Did Martin say A, a skateboard, <laughs> B, a scooter, or <laughs> a Segway? <laughs> right, firstly, I don't think Martin would know what a Segway is. This is too modern, so I'm going to rule that out. Now, from memory, doesn't Dennis already have a skateboard? 
<laughs> Sounds absolutely ridiculous, but I'm sure Martin Not said that. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So I, I, <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Scooter. <laughs> okay, if you're going to go with Scooter and we're locking that answer in, we're about to find out if you're right. Oh, he's, um, you know, these sort of scooters that you can get where you're, you're hold on to the handlebars with your, with your, your, your hands, one leg, his left leg would be, goes on the platform thing. And then his right leg would do the thing that sort of skirts him, you know, along the road. So he tried one out with one of his friends the other day and, um, I've been out and got him one. It's, he doesn't know it, but he's get he's going to get one of them scooters. You are right. It was a <laughs> well done, X. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that is well done though, because it almost means that my mind's as fucked as his. <laughs> I don't know if it should, I should be worried. Really. <laughs> uh, the next question I asked Mad Dog was, "What is your favourite Christmas song?" What did he say? Was it A, driving home for Christmas, B, last Christmas, or C, do they know it's Christmas? Oh, God. Last Christmas, driving home for Christmas, and do they know it's Christmas? I've tried to get them in my head because they're so similar. So last Christmas, last Christmas, I gave you my heart. So that's George Michael, isn't oh, it? George is here with us. Yeah. And then what then he said driving home for Christmas. Driving home for Christmas. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> What's that? Don Dyer should just turn up. Yeah. <laughs> I've got Fulham away. <laughs> and then what was the other one? Do they do they know it's Christmas time at all? That one. <laughs> right, okay. I tried to put a bit of emotion into that one there. Um, <laughs> right, I've got to try and think about him not knowing much about music as me and you just like, we're cracking up on the way back from Anfield because we replayed the uh, Michael Jackson podcast, didn't we? Where, we uh, where he dropped in as many Michael Jackson songs. So I oh. don't think he knows many Christmas songs. So I don't think he'll remember Last Christmas. I don't think he'll know that one by Wham. I don't think. I think he probably would know driving home for Christmas. But I think knowing Martin and the way his mind works, I think he would it would be the do they know it's Christmas time or whatever it's called feed feed the what's that song called? Do they know it's Christmas time at all? That one. It's do it do they know it's Christmas by band aid. Yeah, that one. You going with that one? Yeah. Okay, let's find out. Do they know it's Christmas time at all? That one. You are correct, Ed. <laughs> it actually is worrying me how well I know him now. <laughs> I literally can picture him answering these questions. Yeah, you're on a flyer now, mate. Absolutely. Mm. There's no stopping you. It's incredible. <laughs> Just how far you can take this, because maybe you and Martin share a very similar brain, which is why you're being uh, uh, as successful as you, you have been so far. <laughs> got three out of four right. Incredible. Incredible. Okay, we've gone from his favourite Christmas song, and now we want to know what his favourite Christmas carol is. <laughs> is it? <laughs> is it A, Silent Night, B, Ave Maria, or C, Come All Ye Faithful? I've never even heard of the middle one. What was the middle one called? No, you know Ave Maria. 
No, a tired as a guy. That was beautiful. How's it going? Thank you, mate. On the spot. Uh, yeah, was that, was, that was a bad. I honestly have never heard of that carol before. Have you not? No, I don't know how, where I've been, but knock yourself out. Yeah, no, I might have to, but I'm gonna have to rule that one out on the on the assumption that if I don't know it, then Martin won't know it. So <laughs> silent, silent night, and what was the other one? Sorry, come all ye faithful. I can't, I don't know, see, I'm trying to get into his logic again. I can't imagine Martin would actually like a silent night because he's as loud and energetic as they come. Um, come all ye faithful. I think he'd quite like the sort of message of loyalty and stuff within that song. Come all ye faithful. And then if I think about it, so it's got too many words for Martin to remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> so with that assumption, I'm actually going to change what I said about Silent Night and go with Silent Night. Okay, let's find out. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. We are West Ham, so fuck all the rest. You were wrong, X. It was uh, Come all ye faithful. Uh, it's close. It was never going to be B, but uh, that's annoying. But yeah. fair enough. Okay, we move on. We go again. And this time, I said to Martin, it's Christmas night and the karaoke is on. What song are you singing? Now, did he say, A, Come on Eileen by the Dex's Midnight Runners. <laughs> B, Don't You Want Me by the Human League. Or C, <laughs> Our House by Madness. Um, I think he would go with Come On Eileen. Martin's music knowledge is very limited. So out of all of those songs, I think that's probably the most famous one. So I'm going to go with that one. (laughs) (laughs) So just to confirm, what is your answer? Come On Eileen. Okay, which is option A. Let's find out. Yeah, come on, Eileen. You were correct. Well done. <laughs> well done. I asked Martin, what is his favourite film to watch at Christmas? Did he say A, Home Alone, B, The Great Escape, or C, Die Hard? So when you read that question, Die Hard was the first thing that came into my head. Was it? Yeah, that was the, like literally before you'd read the options. I was going to say Die Hard. Home Alone Again, I think would be, even though it was 1990, I think, would be a bit too modern for him. Um, So The Great Escape, from memory, would have been in about the 60s. So therefore, Martin would have been watching that as a kid, and he would have been watching it as a youngster before he'd started playing football, where he was able to think of more than one thing. So I'm gonna. <laughs> this is perfect for me to get revenge on these bloody midget comments, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah, he's, he's set himself up here by doing this. Like, <laughs> I'm making him sound one dimensional, predictable, <laughs> um, no music knowledge. <laughs> so with, with, with that, with that theory in place, that Martin doesn't have anything other than football in, in his mind, and maybe his family from about. 1985 onwards I'm going to go with the only film that was before that and that was um, uh, the what's this, The Great Escape okay let's see if you're right oh easy Great Escape 
That is correct, Ed. Congratulations. Wow. You should be a psychologist or something, because the way you're breaking down brain's actually quite frightening. I might be a midget, mate, but I can obviously read people, can't I? Particularly predictable people. Let's <laughs> say the same thing over and over again. <laughs> oh, mate, that's so funny. That's so funny. Okay, the next question. I asked Martin... What time does Dennis wake you up on Christmas morning? And instantly, <laughs> instantly, Mad Dog says, oh, no, 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 I wake Dennis up on Christmas morning. <laughs> At what time? A, 4.30, B, 5.30, or C, 6.30? <laughs> That's so rad. If anyone was listening to this show for the first time, they'd think that Dennis, Dennis was his five-year-old boy, not like his, his dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with 4.30 just because that's the earliest let's find out uh, I wake Dennis up about half four he does his yoga exercises and then it's downstairs to unwrap all his presents 4.30 is the right <laughs> answer it. well let's see if you can continue this for the last two questions, this, this is a penultimate one that I asked Martin, and it's quite simply, what time do you have Christmas dinner? Did he say A, 12, B, 2, or C, 4? Uh, how, what logic can you get from this? In my head, he would have said something about the Queen's stroke King's speech. Which is usually on at three o'clock, is it? But that doesn't match up with any of those times. So I kind of picture him going, "Well, first of all, we sit down and we watch the Kings and Queens speech, and then we have, then we tuck into our meal." Which would, which would make me think it was like four o'clock. But then that almost seems a bit of an illogical time because it's not really even lunch or dinner, is it? Oh, some people have their dinner at, at four o'clock. Yeah. This isn't some people. We're talking about Mad Dog here. That's true. It doesn't do anything by the norm. So, um, no, that is true. <laughs> so was it 12 and what was the other one? Sorry. So you've got 12, 2 or 4. I think I'm going to go with 12 o'clock. It seems a more traditional time. And Martin likes his old-fashioned traditions, doesn't he? So I think I'm going to go with 12 o'clock. Okay, it's locked in. Let's see what he said. 2 o'clock. It was two o'clock. Ah, do you know what? I nearly said two o'clock because I nearly went with the middle option because I'd already yeah. had sex question number as A, the answer before. Yeah. But, okay, fair enough. I, I, can't, I can't get into psychology on that one, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the final question of the round. I asked Martin to finish the sentence, it's not Christmas without what? Did he say, A, a packet of digestives? B, Pulling the cracker with Dennis, <laughs> or C, chicken curry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, equally as disturbing as the last. Exactly, yeah. Picture him saying something, in all honesty. Yeah, so can I, because chicken curry seems ridiculous, but that's his sort of humour, and then he would have sniggered to himself afterwards after saying that, <laughs> and then putting a cracker with Dennis it goes along with the whole. Dennis being a human type thing, and then and then. Um, uh, what was the first one again? Sorry. A packet of digestives. Yeah, and he always goes on about digestives. But I think digestives are every day of the week things. 
I don't think they're like specific to Christmas. So that makes me think I'm going to rule that out. And that might be you just putting that in there because you know he always says digestives. So I think I'm going to rule that one out. The chicken curry just seems, although Martin is very, very random. <laughs> it just seems too random. It's not even turkey. You know, like <laughs> it's chicken. So I'm going to rule that out. And I'm going to go with the whole <laughs> Dennis has Christmas like a human theme and go and put, put in the cracker with Dennis. <laughs> the fault that we'd be doing this kind of content when we launch Patreon. Talking about <laughs> Christmas cracker with a... <laughs> Especially oh. with a player that I grew up actually as a kid thinking it was like one of my idols and stuff. <laughs> that, that's the most surreal thing. If you'd said to, then said to nine-year-old ex, oh, when you're in your 40s, for a Christmas special, for the West Ham fans, you're going to be discussing what Martin said next. And most of those options would involve treating his dog like a human. Yeah, but like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's so, it's yeah, it's so like, <laughs> oh, that is brilliant. Okay, so your answer is pulling a cracker with Dennis, which was option B. Let's see what you said. A chicken curry. It was chicken curry. What was the comedy in that? Like, don't know. <laughs> I think that's. <laughs> like, like, I can, I can see it's random, but like. Oh, I feel like that's a cheating answer. That's just like just, that's, yeah, I know, but like it's just so. I feel like that's just such a random thing. Like he's like, he's thought in his head there, right? I don't want X to win this. I'm just gonna literally <laughs> say anything. So he yeah. could have said like putting petrol in my car, or I don't know, like, cleaning the windows or something. Like just to, just so I don't get it right. <laughs> I can I can actually understand your logic again in that respect, um, but I can only tell you what you told me, and as you've heard yourself. So the answer, as bizarre as it is, as bizarre as every answer that ever comes out of Martin's mouth, is, <laughs> the answer is chicken curry. But that does mean, X, that you finish round one with a very respectable six out of ten, and you finish round two with a very respectable six out of ten, making a total of 12 out of 20. I think that's okay, mate. I think you'd take that, wouldn't you? Mm, yeah, I think so. At the start, you know, it's better than 50%. You know, it's, uh, if you want to do the quick maths, it's... 60%, is it, I think? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. So, um, yeah, so I'll, I'll take 60%. That's not bad, considering one of them is the most random topic ever and something that you could definitely, like, have any answer that's probably the most unlikely answer is the most likely answer when it comes to mad dogs. So, uh, yeah, it's hard, hard to predict the unpredictable, um, although he is quite samely in some ways, so I guess I could have done that I'm waffling a bit now to try and justify my, my score so I've been like, so like David Moyes after, after Liverpool here but yeah, uh, yeah. but um, yeah I'll take that score definitely no oh, congratulations mate and that was um, a lot of fun as it always is well Christmas is a special time full of love laughter caring and sharing and by sharing I don't just mean presents I mean emotions too as I'm sure you all know Thomas Suchek is banging to his poetry <laughs> and his, his latest piece is something he wanted me to share on the show in what I can only assume is an attempt to win one man's heart. It's entitled, <laughs> All I Want for Christmas is for X to Love Me. <laughs> Here it is. All I want for Christmas is for X to love me. But he doesn't. All he wants to do is metaphorically shove me. 
I wrote this ballad eating potato salad and tears were streaming down my face. The way he has treated me over the past two years has been an absolute disgrace. I am the shield in midfield and made Declan look better than he was. But still I get no credit from X, whether it's wins, losses or draws. I am a hammer of the year, what the fuck has he ever done? All he ever wants to do is put me down, I'm sure he thinks it's fun. But I will rise again and be the best Jack since Ludek McClotzka. By the way, Mr. Hamlet, he doesn't actually come from near Moscow. When I do rise again in celebration, I will punch the air. X will want to be friends with me then, but I will not care. The London Stadium will sing my name after yet another great game. Every fan in attendance will be so pleased that they came. Sir Jack, Sir Jack is what everyone is going to sing. Everyone apart from X, that is. He won't be saying a thing. I want to hate him, but I don't. I love him, I do. All I want for Christmas is for him to love me too. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. I've actually got tears in my eyes. <laughs> I've got to say, you know, I, I was close to tears. I heard it for the first time. God only knows it makes you feel Jesus Christ. I just hope you accept the olive branch for all of our fucking... <laughs> oh, my God, you're kidding me. Oh, oh my God, my throat, my eyes, jeez. Oh, you need to prepare me more for these things. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow, that was special. <laughs> Do you know what? Tom really opened up to you there. I mean, you're listening to that. you Oh man, my emotions all over the place. Jeez, um, what a roller coaster this show has been. I mean, <laughs> you might have actually killed me with that. I think this could be the last one. Um, uh, oh, I don't know how I feel, mate, because it was beautifully written. I, I must say, like Thomas is a real talent. There, he's a better poem writer than his footballer. I mean, like, is, uh, is, that, is that is that absolutely beautiful? The rhymes, the power. A lot of passion in that as well. A lot of the passion, the the choice of words, the choice of music. I don't think he could have done any better. I mean, that is genuinely his best performance in a in a West Ham shirt. Um, so, hope for you and Thomas. Yeah, I mean, I must admit that has that has that has gone some ways for me appeasing the the, the five yard passes to the opposition. I mean, I I, 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 I that that was beautiful, mate. I'm not going to lie, that was really powerful stuff. And listen, Thomas, look, there's, there's several cards on the table here. Like when when you're scoring goals, last minute goals, may I add, which you've done numerous times this season, then I love you too. You know, the, the love is both ways. And when you're running around and you're sticking your head on the end of crosses and defending um, corners and set pieces and getting stuck in and taking another kick to the head for the claret and blue, then 
mate, I love you, and I love you as a person, but I just, I just think it's it's right for me to have high standards for you, and and if you deliver those high standards, then then it's only going to benefit both you, me, and the whole West Ham entire fan base. So it's not done out of hate it's done out of love and whilst that poem sounded a little bit like the Eminem stand poem as well where, where he ends up driving off a cliff with um, someone tied in the boots so there is a little bit of a, a side here which I almost want to appeal to, to Thomas and say don't do anything stupid um like yeah. he, he um yeah he uh he 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 wrote that beautifully um and and yeah I I, I think you know maybe 2024 being new year for me 24 is my lucky number i love the number 24 it's the year 2024 maybe that will be the year that sue check and i finally finally accept our differences and become one loving bond across the mutual passion of west ham well, I can definitely see a happy ending here. And I'm not talking about in a massage sense. I'm talking about, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, I wish you luck in whatever fucked up relationship you have going forward. I hope it's a good one. And uh, I'll make sure that message gets back to Tom X. Thank you very much. Okay. It's that time again. Okay, mate, what can you tell us? So, there is a sickness bug still going around the club. I mean, this has obviously been going on for a number of weeks now, which affected um, the squad on Wednesday, not as much as, you know, that warranted all those changes, but it did affect it in the sense that, like, Aoife Gwed was ruled out, Maxwell Cornet was ruled out, and Cressa was sick before before the game. Um, Gwed is still a doubt for tomorrow um, as a result of um, that sickness bug, and apparently a few other players have reported feeling rough um, since the Liverpool game as well. I mean, if it's what I've got, and I genuinely have had something now for three weeks, or so, and, uh, and I'm on antibiotics, really strong cough, blah, 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 blah. Uh, it is quite quite bad like, and I don't think I could play football the way I feel like even just cracking up at Sue Check there um, you know took it out of me so it is it is a legitimate concern going round but um, you know how much is affecting these players only those players know themselves but it is unfortunately something that is is going round in terms of Antonio he started to train again he's training on grass so he's a, as a, a, an outside chance he could be involved in the squad I mean I don't think he'd come straight into the starting eleven anyway when when he is fit, but there's a chance he could be on the bench for tomorrow's game. But more likely, um, the Arsenal game will be when we next see him. But um, obviously, we'll know the answer to that tomorrow. Interesting decision to be made on the keeper as well, because obviously Ariola was the league keeper, but he played the cup game in the week, and Fabianski played the league games prior to that. But obviously, Ariola was injured, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Given the fact that Ariola played on Wednesday. Wednesday, my feeling is that Fabianski will come in and that could, I mean, I'm just guessing at the moment, but that could signify a shift that Fabianski's back as the lead keeper and Ariola's back as the cup, te- the cup keeper. But time will tell on those ones. Um, as I keep saying, in terms of transfers, all transfer money, basically, that we're going to spend is going to be made from player sales. Now, the most likely players to go, I've already, li- already listed um, many times before, you know, Ben Rama for now. Uh, Cresswell, Ings, 
Um, or Bonard Johnson, Coventry, these players, there's all, they're the more likely ones, Cornet as well. Um, so it would depend on how many of those we move on as to how many we bring in. Um, of course, this doesn't mean we haven't looked at, um, signing players. We have, we've had scouts all over the place. There seems to be a main focus. Obviously, the European leagues <coughs> looking for forwards and so on, but also we've been to Brazil a lot, where Tim Steinson's very keen on a number of Brazilian players. There's been a lot of emphasis on the French league as well, as there often is, because it's sort of well thought within the club that the French league usually sees the biggest success rate in terms of players that um, adapt to the English league and become a success. And probably if you look through West Ham's history as well as a sort of case on its own, and you look back through our history of players that have come from the French league to, to us, then the majority of those that have, have managed to settle. You know, if the issues have came and we've signed from other countries, so it's a proven formula. But of course that doesn't mean our scouting network just stops at Brazil and France. We've also got to consider that we need to sign domestic home, homegrown train players or we give you know more squad spaces to some of these up and coming academy players now I have heard that a couple of these academy players some of the better talents are a little bit reluctant at the moment to sign new deals with the club because of the fact that they're not sure how clear their pathway is to the first team you know when you're talking the fact that none of them have had a chance apart from Obama this season pretty much um, and, and more and you know you take the case of Connor Coventry who was told to go out on loan and prove himself did that and still can't get a single minute of action anywhere this season. So there are some concerns about uh, the easiness of the route to the first team from some of these academy players, which has delayed the signing of contracts at the moment. But the club are working on these players. They're all players that we've mentioned before, Obama and Marshall and, and so on. So um, keep an eye on that situation um, going forward. In terms of players that we've watched, again, I've listed these players repeatedly. I mean, there's definite interest in Stuttgart's forward, Serio Gerezi. You know, we, we reported that months ago. Um, and there's also his fellow teammate, Dan Axel Zagadou, who's a centre-back again in the summer. We were very much over him, and I think he could be someone that we consider as well. There's a player making waves at Bologna, a Dutch attacking forward called Joshua Zerksi. And apparently, he's available with a release clause. Um, he originated from Bayern Munich uh, before joining Bologna and they have a clause where they can buy him back but um, other clubs have um, a clause that they can activate to try and sign him to there's a lot of interest in this player but he could <coughs> be a solution to the attacking left side position you know instead of Piquetta um, he could be an option maybe but he's got a few off the pitch issues apparently but not significant enough probably to put us off him but again there's a lot of competition as I mentioned Grazy or Grassy is one forward that we're looking at but there are others um, including Accor Adams of Montpellier Fulham are also said to be um, in the hunt for him uh, there's a guy called Simon Banza at FC Braga he's had a bit of a, he's had a good season this season his career is not the most impressive before then but um, could be someone that could be worth a gamble because apparently he's got a eight million 
Euros, I think, release clause, so not going to be the most expensive gamble. We've also had a look at a guy called Antonio Zambria of Torino um, as a potential option for the forward position, but I think there's going to be, obviously, a lot of due diligence done on whatever forward we sign because of the previous... Like failures, I guess is the right word for Ings, Skamaka, and, and Hilaire. They're going to try and get this right, whoever comes in. Um, they also like in midfield. I mean, I doubt this would happen in January because I think the midfield is probably the most stocked position we have in terms of central midfielders, but they like. Celtics midfielder Matt O'Reilly he's someone that us and many other clubs have looked at too so there's interest out there in a number of players there's scouts all over the place every weekend and every week <coughs> we're visiting other countries as I say there's a lot of interest in Brazil and France but there's other players in other leagues of course we're coming up to the window but a lot of the business we do in the January is going to depend on player sales so whilst we can draw up a short list of players until we actually realise how much money we're going to have with that in mind, then um, then we can't make too many concrete moves because, you know, it's all hypothetical. So as we get closer to transfer the transfer window, then we're obviously we'll have more details, which we'll share. Of course, I'll be doing almost week, almost, sorry, almost daily updates, if not daily updates on the transfer situation in January. And then we've also welcoming back Darmesh, for January as well. So you'll get your most comprehensive transfer window knowledge from um, our patron. So I look forward to being a part of delivering that and um, hopefully West Ham will get some good players in over the line. I am into that, mate. As always, thank you very much. Welcome back to the final part of the Christmas special. As always, you've been good enough to send your questions in and X has selected something to read out. So this is from Mark W. And he said, what are your, your, your West Ham top three highs and top three lows of 2023? Oh, top three highs. Bloody hell. Let's start with that one. So obviously Prague. Yeah. Um, beating Tottenham away. I think that's got to be in the top three. That was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And, oh, God, what would be the third? Uh, Alkmaar winning in, like, four hours last minute. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly, yeah. I ended up doing cartwheels down the stairs on that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For no choice of my own either, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what? Yeah, the euphoria of knowing we'd done it, we got to a final. I think that's a pretty decent top three, unless I've missed mm. something. Yeah, I don't know if, you're, if yours differs. I don't know. No, I think they'd probably be it. I liked beating Arsenal this year in the League Cup, although obviously with hindsight now that was pointless. But at the time, I liked beating Arsenal. Um, that's another thing about the whole decision. If he was going to throw the quarterfinal, why not play the academy players from the round one? And just get them some experience, or yep. round three or whatever, round four, whatever we are, round we entered in. Get, if we weren't going to take it seriously in the quarterfinals, why take it seriously against Arsenal? Yeah, it doesn't make sense, does it? No, exactly. And actually, following on from that, oh no, sorry, to the three worst things. Sorry. Yeah, well, I think uh, well, Liverpool's up there, isn't it? I think that's got to be that's the worst. I would say. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, could we say Fulham? I mean could say that there were circumstances behind the result, but that was still a shocker to a, to a side like Fulham to lose 5-0. I mean, that does mm. take a little bit of beating. Mm. I think 
it's got to creep into the top three. And then what else what, what else can we put there? Um, Selling Declan Rice, but then we kind of knew that that was going to happen anyway. And then yeah, we brought some good players yeah, out of it. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I mean. You you could argue that we've improved as a squad on the back of that. So mm. as a kind of, from, a, from a negative. Uh, Aston Villa, away, 4-1. That was bad. Yeah. Asked us there. A sad, sad deaths, I guess, of the gold. Two members of the gold family were yes. not, not great Me. moments. No, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, free from the four I think we've just thrown out there, I think we'd have to be in there. Yeah, definitely. Um, this one's from Andy Mason. I've kind of answered it earlier, but I want to sort of re-answer it quickly. But he said, hi, fellas. Hope you and your families have a great Christmas. I know you would have spoken about the Liverpool game, but do you think the meltdown was justified? As on last week's podcast, X said, let's not have a meltdown. But to go there and not put up a fight is embarrassing and disrespectful to the 6,000 that went. Keep it a great work. Yeah. <laughs> Same to you, mate. I hope you have a good one. Um yeah, it, look, it's always a tough one. I think as long as Moyes is going to be in charge, he's he's going to get credit when I think he deserves credit, and then he's going to get slaughtered when I think he deserves to get slaughtered. What what I can't comment on with absolute accuracy is that after the game, I did tweet my opinion because I was that pissed off. I wanted to share it with someone, um, but after that, I tended to keep away from Twitter. So I don't actually know just how much of a meltdown there's been. I expected one and I'm sure there is one, but in terms of the specifics of what's been said, I don't actually know. So I don't know how bad it is. But I think, do you know what, X, you were right to not go into meltdown if we'd have lost the game, but that was on the basis that we would give ourselves the best chance of winning that game, playing our best side and actually having a go. And I think to lose at Anfield, having a go, I don't think any fans ever going to knock that, but to roll over like we did, which was largely part of David Moyes' decision to throw the game as he did and disappoint and, well, shit on 6,000 West Ham fans, I don't know what more he would expect in terms of a reaction personally. Yeah, I mean, like I said, when I said that um, that statement last week, it was on the assumption that West Ham were going to go there give it their best shot and possibly lose. It wasn't based upon the fact that we'd rotate a team too much and play awfully. So I'd take it back a little bit in the sense that I do understand the meltdown after that, on that on that decision, on that performance. Uh, again, I think people are taking it way too far. I've seen people, like, again, there was people putting petitions out to get him sacked, people to remove him from, <coughs> from his position immediately, people doing the I told you so thing. I think for me, this is the biggest problem, is the whole I told you th- so thing. This is what's dividing the West Ham fan base. The minute Moyes does something wrong, which he did there, no one can defend that. You get people saying, oh, where's the Moyes in Cox? suckers now and getting really like personal about people that defend David Moyes and then it works the other way because then when David Moyes you know does something well like the Wolves game you know you get where's the Moyes out as now and it, it's just it's like constant point scoring is really dividing the fan base I know full well when I go on to um, Twitter and West Ham have lost that there'll be people saying like where's the Moyes defenders the cocksuckers the, the blind fans the people that don't like it's just because 
because someone's got different opinions, she doesn't make necessarily make their opinion wrong. I think you are also able, like you do, Dave, to be able to either be moise in or moise out, but be able to offer an alternative opinion on certain decisions he makes. The decision he made on Wednesday was terrible, and if you want me to make a call based upon one decision, then it's moise out on that decision alone. But it, but I look at the bigger picture, and for me, uh, we did still finish top of our European group not long ago, and we're still sitting at well in the league. So he he's done a big mistake there, one that's borderline unforgivable. But I'm not in the position where I want to sack him. So that doesn't mean I can't offer criticism to him. It's the same as the other way around. If you're a Moyes outer when he does well at something and like, you do do this Dave so you're one of a you know a few but you um you can then offer praise when it's deserved and I think this whole you're even Moyes in or Moyes out thing is just stupid now I don't I don't know why we're doing it we used to laugh at Arsenal fans with the whole Wenger in Wenger we even had a we had a chant you know if you remember back in the day oh well, the, the Wenger the Okie in out in out shake it all about you know you put your Wenger in your Wenger out we're yeah. getting a little we're getting a little bit like that now and it's just I just think it's embarrassing I, I really do like, and I just you know yes Moyes fucked up and you can have your rant and you can put whatever you want all fans are entitled to express their opinion as much as much as they want uh, about anything that they want to do, but that doesn't give you the right to then belittle other people's opinions that are opposite to yours, and that's what I was trying to allude to in a more united fan base. Because ultimately, the thing we have in common is that we all support West Ham. So and the word is support as well. If we can all get behind the team, regardless of who the manager is, then I think we're in a better position than having this constant trying to prove that the other lot were right or the other lot were wrong but anyway let's um, move on this is I'm <coughs> oh, sorry Joe, Joe Thompson and he said hey boys and patrons happy holidays to all my question is more for the podcast than about West Ham do you guys find your patrons listen to your podcast less or more based upon the first team's results I personally can't stand to think about West Ham whilst at work or driving after a loss but I love it when we've won yeah the answer is in terms of statistics, I don't know. Factually, I don't know what the results are. But I have had people come to me before. One fella in particular, a patron, lovely, lovely fella. And he said to me, you know, I love the podcast, but I can't listen to you guys when we've lost because, you know, if we've lost and we've been shit, I know we're shit. I don't need you to tell me that we've been shit. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I think, you know, it, for a lot of people, and myself included, it, it gives you the ump when West Ham have lost. So there is a section that will kind of hopefully want to hear a shared opinion on this podcast. Uh, and that's a, a kind of f- form of release for them. And then there are people that just want to shut off and just um, write it off until the next weekend. So I don't, know, I don't know what the spread is, but um, there, there are definitely quite a lot of people that won't listen if we've had a really bad day at the office, I think. Yeah, yeah, I am. Um, I've seen people say, even on our exit polls, I can't talk about West Ham at the moment because it's so, so depressing. So, um, so yeah, it definitely affects things. But, um, yeah, some people, it depends on sort of mindset, doesn't it? Some people like want to sort of, Listen when people are um, 
angry and depressed so that they feel that they're not the only ones that are feeling that way. Um, so they've got to solace in the fact that others are that in the dumps, but then others don't want to be in and avoid negative situations. So they're only this always positive. So I guess it depends on, on, on the individual, um, when it comes to that sort of thing. But yeah, I think on the whole, what would be best for the business in the sense of the listeners and how many we have would be us to be more successful. I think that's probably the more obvious thing if we're better and we're doing well then people prefer to listen than if they don't but obviously it does depend um, on the individual so this is from Danny Jarvis and he said fringe players don't seem to impress when given their chance do you think it could be down to the fact that Moyes doesn't seem to use substitutes as much as other managers and when he does it's normally the last 5 to 10 minutes of a match surely a lack of substitute minutes will affect a player's touch fitness and sharpness meaning they are well off when they need to, meaning they are well off where they need to be when called upon I think Dan's answered his own question there because I, I totally agree. You know, he's always talking about rotation and resting players. He, he doesn't actually do it enough. And when he does bring substitutes onto the pitch, it's for like five or six minutes. And, you know, and, and there is such a thing called match fitness and match sharpness. And you can't get match fit unless you're playing in matches. And my definition of playing in a match is longer than six minutes. And then you've got the likes of Cornet. And I think, what has he got to do to get a game? And ironically, whenever I've seen Cornet... More often than not, I've been quite impressed with him. And I think he can hurt defences. And he is a natural left winger, which at times we don't seem to have. So I, I do still scratch my head with Moisey, to be honest, when it comes to these fringe players and youth players as well, giving them a chance. He seems to just be very set in his ways and um, and then sort of complains about fixture congestion and, 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 and players being tired. Well, use other players then. Use our players, rotate, use your squad. That's why you've got a squad of players. But by using them, that doesn't mean give them five minutes at the end of a game that we're winning 2-0 or losing 4-0. You know, let them get back into the season and be match fit by getting match minutes. And it's just something he just doesn't seem to do. Mm. It doesn't help as well. I know this is the same for all teams, but it doesn't help as well that there's no competitive reserve football either. I mean, this is a problem yeah. for everyone, so it's yeah. not specific to West Ham, but those fringe players that don't play then don't get minutes in reserve football. Whereas, you know, when you and I first started watching football, the Reserves League was the place you played in if you didn't play in the first team, so that they were playing at least one game of football a week. If it wasn't the first team, it was the reserves. And you don't have that anymore now, so some players go a long time without actually as you said having any match fitness um, and I think that's a more pro of a common problem now for all clubs but particularly clubs like West Ham where the manager doesn't rotate very often um, and makes substitutions late that those players like Fournells who, who was a decent player Ben Rama was a decent player not only are they affected because they're not match fit but they're also mentally affected because they know that they're not they're not getting much action so then when they do get it their confidence is down and and they're not on 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 the buzz of playing well like they may have been if they had a regular runner game so yeah it's, it's something that definitely needs re-looking really at and I actually think in the summer particularly but hopefully in January we need a bit of a fresher up on the squad we need to get out some of these fringe players that don't seem to be able to turn it on when, when they come on and maybe get some younger hungrier players that won't mind being on the bench so much 
but know when they come in, they've got to try and prove themselves and stuff. I think we could do a bit of a freshen up. Like, as I say, the likes of Fornells and Ben Rama and Ogbonna and Cresswell and stuff have been there a long time. But I think it's time and to use some of the young players as well, some of the academy players, mm. to naturally bring that sort of youthful freshening up of the squad. Um, yeah. on, the- on that point as well, I think using youth players is is crucial moving forward. I really mm. do. We've got... When, when, when you've got an academy that are achieving as much as we are achieving on a weekly basis, other clubs will look at them. And they do. And, and they're already looking at a number of our top talent. And unless you show them a pathway into the first team and experience and get them in and around the squad and give them first team minutes and, and show them that we have a belief in them to become Premier League players, then they're going to get snapped up by other clubs that will make those promises to them and then deliver against it. So it's so important that, yes, we need to freshen up. I totally agree. We've got some ageing players that need to be shipped out now as well and some some fresh, hungry players coming in. Some will be signed, no doubt. But let's give some of our academy players a, a chance because Christ knows they've deserved it. And by doing so, we'll also be protecting ourselves from losing these players. So it's mm. it's about getting that balance, and he has to do that, Moise. He's got to. Mm-hmm, definitely. And this is from Ollie Corston. He said, hi, lads. Happy Christmas to both, and happy birthday to you both for Sunday. Answer the following questions in a way that would create the, your worst possible Christmas, Scrooge-like, I know. So what Christmas film do you hate having to sit through? <laughs> uh, oh, God. What Christmas film do I hate? having to sit through. Um, I'm going to have to have a think about this, X, because I quite like Christmas films. I know which one I hate. Go on. Keep my voice down because the person that makes me watch it is not far away. Um, but, that, but that film's The Holiday. Every single Christmas. <laughs> I have to watch that fucking film and I can't stand oh, we- it, honestly. Yeah. Huh? You're going full whispering on this Yeah, now. honestly, I can't. I sound a bit sinister when I speak like this, probably, but I can't stand that film. Like, honestly, like, it's so lovey-dovey. It's just cringe. And it's just so cringe-worthy. And everything's so perfect. And look at us. And oh, it makes me feel sick. Because then, because then the expectations, as soon as that film's finished, is that I suddenly, mor- suddenly morph into the most charismatic, amazing husband that there ever was. And I'm just yeah. not that. I'm just not that. So Jude Lauren, whoever the other fella is in it, sets ridiculous expectations for men at Christmas so they can fuck off and never yeah, come a, back. It's a really good point, actually. I'm gonna, that's an amazing answer, by the way. <laughs> a shit answer, because to be fair, the choice of films that do tend to go on in our house over Christmas are pretty good, and I do like them. I don't think... They really put any shit on in my house over Christmas. Any films that I'm like, oh, I don't like that, or we've really got to watch that. I think, to be fair, I'm quite lucky in that respect. So I I can't give an answer on that one. Mm, Yeah, fair enough. So the next question is, um, Christmas present you hate that everyone watches you open. So it's one that you probably get quite regularly. Yeah, it's probably like pants and socks. You know, it's just such a fucking boring present. I know you need it. We all need them. But it's just fucking boring. And the problem is, every present you open, and to be fair, again, you know, I do all right for presents. 
but you have to open them with a, a degree of enthusiasm, especially mm. for the kids, because they want to see their dad happy when mm. I open the present. But how much enthusiasm can you inject into pants and socks? <laughs> especially like a plain black pair of socks. That's what I mean. You can't yeah, even go, so oh, they're pretty colours or something. But I don't want to let the kids down at the same time. So I, I tend to find that I overreact to what is ultimately a bang average present. One that I need but pretty bang average and boring. You'd rather just open it and say, oh, lovely, thanks. But yeah. rather than be like, oh, that's just what I needed. I'm running out of these, you know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so, yeah be overly <laughs> enthusiastic. So socks and pants, I think. I think they're definitely a contender. One for me as well. I'm having to speak really quiet again. I'm sorry. But um, for me, <laughs> is like every Christmas I get depressed how fat I am and how much food I've eaten over the fucking Christmas period, right? So I then have every intention. It never happens, but I have every intention of going a diet in January. But for Christmas, I always get built loads and loads of chocolate. And I just think to myself, like, how am I going to go on this diet in January when I've got, like, I'm covered my whole, like, kitchen in chocolate? Like, I've just got no hope. So, no. so, that, so that's yeah. also one. Three the first. That's your only other option. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I mean, I love chocolate, don't get me wrong. So it's not that I don't like it. It's just that in my head I'm thinking, oh, my God, I need to lose weight. I can't can't eat all this chocolate. So, yeah, it's um, not ideal, is it? No, um, it's really harsh on this one. <laughs> I can't believe where I'm actually going to put it out there, but we're going to do it. Family okay. member you have to put up with for the day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 no, I'm screwing that. That's too incriminating yeah. that. I'm not yeah. I'm saying I don't have an answer. <laughs> I, I'm not. I, can, I bet I can answer for you. <laughs> no, I bet you probably could, but don't. No, I won't. I won't. <laughs> so she has quite a few of our relatives listen to this show as well. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Not a good one. Yeah. Well, I can safely say, Dad, it's not you. So <laughs> you listen to the show. It's not you. Um, to be yeah. fair, and it's going to sound even more brutal, but probably the ones I've said are all dead now. So uh, that's been taken care of. But um, yeah. Like, <laughs> What's that? Every cloud. Yeah, yeah. Um, but to be fair, no, like, um, no one in my family, really. I'm quite I'm quite lucky, to be honest with you. And I do say it a lot. I'm very lucky that there's no one in my immediate family. And then my in-laws are so lovely as well. So I actually genuinely <coughs> haven't got anyone that... Um, that, that that applies to and that's the honest truth so yeah I can't answer that one unfortunately um, board game you get made to play <laughs> um, well Monopoly is always one however it tends to be the kids one which mm. cuts the game down by about seven hours so actually mm. whilst I get made to play it it's, it's doable do you know mm. what I mean mm. well that I can't sit through like six, seven hour games of Monopoly, it's, especially when you're losing and you know you're never going to win as well. It's, it's just, it's just depressing, isn't it? So, I, mm. uh, so I'll suffer the, the kids version, um, and the kids version of Cluedo as well, which is pretty good. Yeah, see, I quite like both those games. Yeah, Monopoly does drag a little bit. I'm not going to lie. And also, I prefer playing it now on like the PlayStation. So it actually does all the calculations for you and cuts out a bit of time in that, in that respect. So you don't have to work out the maths and so on. Um, so yeah, I, could, I quite like Cluedo. Um, I'm cut. There's not a particular game that we play regularly. I'm not a big fan of, um, 
charades because people just get mm. ridiculous with it and also we used to have this game called Pictionary which I'm sure everyone's played where you have to draw yep. something my artistic skills mate are horrendous like literally <laughs> I don't think I progress beyond stickmen and even them are they, they're not even great stickmen <laughs> I think my art skills put me in the severe low end of the civilization I think I'm like I've probably got a drawing skills like a two year old and that's probably a bit harsh on a two year old so when it comes to that when it comes to that game I am terrible so I hate that because everyone's like how is that meant to be a horse you know it looks like a I know a dustbin or something like it's just it's just so yeah that game but you're actually that's one of your hidden talents isn't it you're actually quite a good drawer from memory I'm not too bad to be honest, mm. but for me, I'm I'm pretty decent at um like copy drawing. So if mm. I've got a picture of SpongeBob in front of me, for example, and I wanted to do one for the kids, or this is an example, and I've got a picture of him in front of me, I can do a very good job on paper. But if mm. you see me SpongeBob, Dave, and I've got nothing to look at, it, it fuck me, it looked more like Bob the Builder than SpongeBob. So yeah, so I'm I'm not too bad. I can hold my own with cartoons. But, yeah, so, no, I've, I've seen your work before. You know, yeah. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, so I'm not quite sure the wording of this one, so we might have to do it both ways. But, but he's put item missing from Christmas dinner, turkey aside. So I'm assuming what item would you be most disappointed wasn't on the Christmas dinner plate? Uh, pigs and blanket. Yeah, see that for me is the right answer. So it's too easy, and then it'd be potatoes. I think. So what? What's the one item that you don't like that you get a lot of? Then probably another way to phrase it. Uh, I know, is, is is broccoli part of the Christmas dinner? No, not traditionally. I don't think. That's not is it? I don't think. No. no. Well, throw some at me then, because I've had a Christmas dinner blank for some reason. I, I don't like parsnips. Oh, I love parsnips. I really don't like them. For some reason, I just don't like the taste. They're too sweet for me. Right, right. I, I, not many people like Brussels sprouts, but I do. I, I, I've come round to the idea of Brussels sprouts. I never used to like them, but I, I suffer them now. However, mm. if if I'm getting pushed for an answer, the Brussels would be a front runner. I think. Yeah, mine would be the parsnips, definitely. They'd be the first to go. Okay, fair enough. I mean, yeah, they are a bit divisive, parsnips. I found that. I, I'm, yeah. I'm a bit marmite, aren't they? But I'm a lover of parsnips. Mm. So I don't, like, despise them. Like, if, they, if I was to go to somewhere for Christmas dinner and I was to be given parsnips, I wouldn't go, no, nah, sorry, can you take those off? Well, I, would eat, I would eat them, but I'm not... You know, when someone comes back with the bowl and says, anyone want any more parsnips, I never volunteer. No, no, fair so, enough. Yeah. yeah. Enough, mate. I like a bit of stuffing as well. That sort of splits, splits loyalty, doesn't it? Buckets of it, mate. I could eat buckets of it. Yeah. Love it. There you go. So, yeah, so that's Christmas with David X. Um, This is from (laughs) Steve Moots, and he has said... Um, hi chaps I took my lad out to his first ever away game at Anfield despite the obvious shit show on the pitch he loved the experience of being with the Claret and Blue Army personally I hadn't been away for many a year and what struck me was the anger and division amongst our fans that I don't recall in the past I was there to see big defeats in my time like losing to Oldham 6-0 and the FA Cup semi-final with Forest. the latter was one of the most memorable days because of our fans 
even though we all know how the game ended it always felt we are West Ham together no matter what what do you think has changed over the years is it social media giving is it social media giving or other factors loving your work as always fellas Oh, lovely. Well, I'm pleased the boy enjoyed his away day because it wasn't mm. the best performance and result to kickstart your West Ham away days, is it? Let's be honest. But, you know, it, he he would have fell in love with West Ham, no doubt, like we all did because of our parents or grandparents or because of the people around you. So um, I'm pleased he had a good time. To be honest, I think it's a couple of things. I think social media is definitely a major player, a major player in this issue. But I think the other issue that we've got and I can't say I necessarily disagree with it, is the expectation levels have changed. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's unfair. Mm-hmm. We left Upton Park for. And yes, of course, we can all trail back through the history books and say, God, do you remember that fucking away day and when we lost 4-0 there and 3-0 here and 6-0 there and since 7-1 there? But then it was always part and parcel of our identity that was wrapped around this, this little East London club uh, that played at Upton Park. It was it was who we are, and you know we, we're always taking a gamble on players and trying to get players through the academy. And at times having squads that were a load of shit, we've become accustomed to accepting that that was what we was going to expect. But since leaving Upton Park and going to a sixty six thousand seater stadium and having world class superstars in our side, earning shitloads of money, and becoming champions of Europe. It's right that we should not have to have those results that we had on Wednesday. It's right that we shouldn't have those results that we had at Craven Cottage because you'd like to think that is a thing of the past now. So I think it's largely a combination of those two things, I think. Yeah, I think I agree with you on the whole. I think the main problem is social media. I think, you know, where where a defeat would be kind of dealt with there and then, you'd, you know, you'd deal with it at the game. You'd go maybe call up, I don't know, BBC Sport or something, have a rant down there, listen to a few other supporters having a rant, go down the pub, meet up with some mates, have a rant there, and then generally you kind of moved on and you were sort of focused on the next game or whatever. But with social media now, it's every day it's all about and not just social media like the coverage you know with sky sports and <coughs> radio shows and internet and so on it's it's just in your face every single day and um therefore it's just um constant like reaction and the way social media is obviously works is that the more extreme reactions get you the most interaction so someone like you know on a name in west ham central for example you know whatever people may think of him and you know people have quite strong opinions on him he's actually as far as social media accounts go he's actually quite clever in what he does because his sole one of his objectives I guess is to get as many followers as he can possibly get as many interactions as he can possibly get because actually you can get paid for your interactions on on Twitter so the more interactions you have um, the more money you make <coughs> and also obviously your account grows and he so he he's quite clever in saying things that he knows is going to get a reaction, not just from West Ham fans, but from other fans of other clubs. And therefore, it kind of stokes that constant, like, opinion. my opinion is this, and anyone else that isn't this opinion is wrong. I'm not saying he does that in particular, but that's what social media as a whole does. And therefore, it almost gets people's back up because every 
every time every, every time you went into the pub someone went oh here he is here's the Moisina here he is look at him sucking up to Fanta pubes look at him you know he, he can't get enough of Moisey every time you went anywhere you'd start to get quite resentful to those people and that's what social media is it just means that you're constantly being interacted with whereas previously it would only be like kind of on a you know sort of rare occasion or on occasion that you chose to go somewhere but you can't help but get it now if you log on to anything so <coughs> I think that's a big factor and also like you say maybe the changing expectations we move stadiums for this supposed new level of football so therefore when we don't achieve anything beyond what we could achieve at Upton Park then you do get more reaction because you kind of think, well, what did we leave the stadium for? What's all these promises for? So, like what you said, I think there is two. They're the two main reasons, definitely. Um, this is from Greg Staples. Hi, lads. If you could pick your current top three hammer of the years and top three flops of the season so far, what would they? who would they be? And also, do you buy each other gifts for Christmas? I assume Dave would be easy to buy for. Anything? Think alcoholic will do. Wink. Have a good one, lads. <laughs> Sometimes uh, I think my patrons know me far too well. I, I just, oh my god! Yeah, yeah. No, that'd be the perfect. Anything that's got alcohol in it, you know, mouthwash, turps, vodka, anything. Um, uh, top top three players. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I think you have to look. I mean, James Ward Prowse has been brilliant, but would he get in the top three over Paqueta? Kudus and Bowen, you could argue possibly JWP's been a little bit more consistent than Paqueta, maybe. Um, but then I've been more blown away at times by Paqueta. So that's quite a tough one. It's going to be hard to put him in order as well. But Jared, I think, is just relentlessly consistent in terms of his work rate. And I think it's difficult for him up front on his own. Whilst he can do the job, and I actually think he does a good job, um, it's, it's a tough job being up there. It is. So obviously whether he's on the wing or he's up front, he's a threat, but he's still going to get your goals. And I think with Mohamed, I mean, he's come in and I just think he's absolutely exceptional. I think we've got one hell of a player there. I think he'll win Hammer of the Year, personally. That's my prediction, which, you know, you could argue I'm stating the obvious. And then Lucas, I don't know. I mean, I mentioned four players there. It's hard to pick the top three. Would you agree with that top four, first and foremost? And if so, no, what? One man I mentioned, fucking hell, who has been outstanding this season is Emerson. That's what I was going to say. Hey, do you know what? I think he's, he's, he's an unsung hero because of the position he plays as well. Yeah. He's a part of this conversation, Emerson. He's been absolutely superb. It's tough, isn't it, to pick the top three out of out of those? You could argue Alvarez as well, possibly. Yeah. Not quite. I'm not sure we'd quite get in the top no, three. No, the conversation. Yes. I, I, for me, I think it's very hard to pick the top three. I think you have to go with Bowen first for the goals that he's scored. You know, he's broken. We called that away record. You know, he's played two positions for us. He's like you said, he's so consistent. Um, he's got back into the England team. He signed a new seven year deal, whatever it was. So I think. He has to be first. Kudos didn't start the season. Not his fault, but didn't start the season because he was signed later in the window. Then obviously we gave him a couple of games to take before he got fully into the swing of it. But I would say he's second. And then 
I think third for me would be I'm torn between Emerson and Ward Prowse because I think Ward Prowse, uh, you know, he's goals and assist contribution. Without those, we'd be in a massively different position. Um, so, but I think I'm going to go with Emerson third. Mm, he's been outstanding, absolutely outstanding. And in terms of the the flops, I mean, it's, it's I say, is it, is it a tough one? I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I mean, how far back are we going, by the way? Uh, this season. I mean, I think for me, the number one, and I hate doing this to players and stuff. I feel bad because it's not this bit negative. And I don't like it. But for the sake of the question, I think Ings has to be the biggest one. You know, yeah. I think with the, the money we're paying him each week, and he just doesn't look like doing anything, does he, whenever he plays? So he no. would be first. Yeah. Then, I think, then I think you're going to say Corday. It's not necessarily his fault because he hasn't been given mm-hmm. the chance. But, you know, we paid 18, 20 million for this guy and he can't even get on a suspect half the time. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to be number two. And then... Yeah, I agree with that. And then you're sort of looking at someone, maybe Ben Rama. I mean, that's a bit of a fall from grace from being Hammer of, <laughs> sorry, Hammer of the Year last year, but he's barely... Um, Barely contributed this season, so yeah, that's true. I mean, him. I don't want to say Mavropanos because it's very early days and we haven't seen much of him, but he he worries me a little bit. He's not had the best of starts, and I, I hope I hope it changes for him. But mm. um, I I don't know. My gut feeling says we're going to come to the end of the season, revisit this conversation, and his name might be there or thereabouts, which worries mm. me a little bit. But hopefully, I'm wrong. But mm. other than that, mate, yeah, I, I, I do agree. Maxwell, through no fault of his own, really. He's got to be in there. Danny Ings, you know, prolific goal scorer pretty much everywhere he's been. Shot, comes to West Ham, it's a shower of shit. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd go along with that. Mm. In terms of the presence, we don't really buy each other anything as such because, you know, we'd probably, like you say, it'd probably be, I'd buy you alcohol and you might get me, like, I don't know, aftershave maybe, I'm not sure, but um, <laughs> stuff that, stuff that, uh, stuff that, we're both capable of getting ourselves, I guess. So we don't, we don't really do that. The only thing is, you always buy my son um, a birthday present because you are his godfather. So traditionally, traditionally, at West Ham, he needs to actually do his thank you message actually because I still haven't seen him since he's gone. I've seen him running about now because we're doing the podcast, <laughs> but I haven't actually spoken to him since the shirt came. So um, he will send his thank you video over to you soon. <laughs> but, uh, that, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he um, he always gets a West Ham sh- home shirt with his name and number or no, number as in the age that he is at that year on the back of his shirt from Dave and actually because it's a big birthday for you in a couple of days time as everyone knows we both have the same birthday but unfortunately I am three years older than Dave but <coughs> believe it or not um, I know I look much younger but um, <laughs> but uh, younger than me yeah, but um, it is actually a significant birthday for you. So <laughs> I have, hopefully someone can buy me a new throat. That would be quite handy. But, yeah. but if you can stay alive long enough to actually see my throat. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So I have actually got you a present for your 40th. And it's actually quite like funny story behind it. It's a funny present. And the fact of the matter is, the present that I've, I paid for it about... 
I don't know, five days ago, maybe something like that. I hope to have it in time for us to go to Anfield, but I still haven't got it. And that in itself is quite a funny story as well, especially, <laughs> especially the interactions I've had to try and make sure that it is ready by your birthday. So I can't say much more than that, but the fact that it hasn't arrived yet and has actually been a bit of a ball ache to try and get to arrive by your birthday and probably isn't, despite all this, going to be ready by your birthday, actually adds to the value <laughs> actually adds to the value of what the present is in some ways so, so yeah I'll, oh, and, wow. I, and I will share this present with, <coughs> with patrons as well it is one that I can share with patrons and it isn't one that's gonna destroy your reputation too much so you'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell worrying now <laughs> no it won't, it won't it won't kill you too much though. it's just it's all stuff that everyone already knows <laughs> right okay oh god yeah now I am really worried <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll look forward to that. But otherwise, you know, our friendship to each other is the only present we ever need. Really. Well, of course, mate. That, that, that love can't, can't put a price on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this is from um, Ben Kelly. You've got five items allowed on your Christmas dinner. What are you going for? And any meat, i.e. turkey or pigs in blanket, will count as one selection and gravy is free. Oh, wow. So you can only have the one meat. No, you can have as many meat as you want. Oh, okay, but it, count, right. but it counts as one. You can't just go like meat and then have everything. Right. So I can say turkey and pigs in blankets first. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. That counts as two. Yeah, so that would be my two as well. Right. Um, so you need three more. Okay. Um, potatoes. Yeah. I need one more. I've got to try and be. A, uh, I don't know. I do like the parsnips. I think I'd go with. I think I'd go with parsnips. Mm. Yeah, see, I, I wouldn't. I like parsnips. No, see, I, I think I'd go with. I think I'd go with either. So I don't really know what is a, a normal roast and what's a Christmas roast, but either peas well, or cabbage. Yeah. Peas or cabbage, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of, yeah, yeah. Instead of um, parsnips, but there we go. Right. So this is from I Dunk Biscuits, and they said, "Hi lads, I'll give you something to break up the seemingly never-ending doom and gloom. What were your choices of boots when you played? In my head, Dave loved a classic pair of leather Puma Kings or the original Predators. No ideas why I think that though. It's actually quite incredible. I mean, I, I made a joke earlier on about. How much my pat- my patrons? So I'm the king of the wonder. I love the way they're yours and not mine as well. <laughs> <laughs> only here for day. But how much our patrons actually know us is quite is quite frightening, really. And it's yeah. and we do this podcast every single week and be ourselves and tell certain stories about us. But you know, you don't really think about, I suppose, how much your your kind of um, getting people to know who you are as a person and the person behind the microphone, if you like. The reason I'm saying all this is because those were exactly the two boots that I I had. Puma Kings, retro, I loved those boots. And I was one of the first to have the Predators after begging my parents to buy them for me. So those were the two boots I had. And then I think during my obsession with Paolo Di Canio, I might have moved to Fila for a little while. But if you was to ask me for my go-to memorable boots, it was Puma Kings and Predators. 
See, I never had Puma Kings. I was always um, Adidas Predators. I remember that excitement when I got my first pair. You suddenly think you're going to be like whacking the ball ten times harder and like curving it into the top corner. Yeah, so much better. Type free kicks. As well. Yeah, exactly. And did they actually make a difference? I'm not. I'm not I really think it's more sure. Clever marketing, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. I don't think really they made you any a better player. Like it's almost like they're like builders, like magic boots, wouldn't they? They'd also make you run faster and jump higher. You know, it's just. <laughs> Actually, when you look back, it's like ridiculous, really. So, but yeah, I bought into the whole, you know, it was Craig Johnson, wasn't it? A former Liverpool Australian player that, yeah. that actually created those. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I think he made more money from those than he did in his actual playing career. But, um, yeah, so although I, um, yeah, I, because it was all David Beckham, wasn't it? David Beckham had them and yeah. see, he was the poster boy at the time. So everyone kind of wanted them. So they were my main ones. Then Jerry, just a standard pair of Nike. They called Chiempos or something like that. I think yeah. I had those. Um, and then, but to be honest, mate, I stopped playing grass football um, probably at the age of about well when I left university, so probably about twenty two, twenty three. And I was always five aside after that. So astroturf and stuff. But um, yeah, I was never, never particularly loyal to a football brand. Um, unfortunately. Um, so uh, last few questions here now. Um, <coughs> Last three questions. This one's from Peter Anderson. Hi, Dave and X with two <coughs> appalling games recently. It got me thinking of poor performances. For me, it's the 4 new away to Oxford in 2019, as in the worst one. That was when Roberto was just horrendous. I'm just interested for you have a different one. Love the podcast. Hope you both have a great Christmas and New Year. And Pete? Yeah, I mean, in terms of games I've actually been at, because I've we, we didn't go to the Oxford one, did we? No, I watched it on TV, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, well, funnily enough, when we was in the car driving home, I said to X, um, purely football and purely based on the performance and the result, have we have we together watched a West Ham game that was worse than that on Wednesday night? Mm. And, and do you know what? You think, gosh, surely to God you can find something that was further back than Wednesday. I'm not so sure, you know. No. It was it was that bad on Wednesday. We got absolutely fucking battered. Mm. It was definitely up there, definitely. And so there's a disappointment as well. You know, the, it's a quarterfinal. So, I mean. it, yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be up there. I can't. And we, like, as we said, <laughs> one shot on goal. We, we, I don't think we look like we're ever getting anything from that game. I, mean, I don't know if you've seen it back, but even the bit where their first goal, if Ben Rama just gets that ball round that defender, Bowen's one-on-one with the keeper. I think it might be a defender slightly covering. Yeah, it leads to their goal. Oh, it's just so frustrating, but I can't think of many worse. I mean, I was at West Ham, Man United in the Cup when we lost 6 0, and Gary Breen was absolutely dreadful. I was at that game. I've seen West Ham lose 7 1 at Old Trafford from being 1 0 up. Powered one shot put us in the lead, and then we yeah. lost 7 1. That Wimbledon Cup game that we were both at was. Pretty awful, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah, it was. That one where Mark Benautovic put a statement out saying he's back uh, straight on the eve of that game. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so there's been some pretty like Reading, I seem to remember, was it like 6 nil on New Year's Day or something like that? That was a pretty horrendous one. I mean, let's not get, you know, let's not be around a British. There's been a lot of dreadful West Ham performances yeah, over the years. Um, so, yeah. But, but, but the collective when it comes to the magnitude of the game, 
the team selection, what those actually delivered on the pitch, which was terrible, and the fact that we've played um, um, a weakened Liverpool side and been knocked out of the quarterfinal, not just by one, two, three. We've got absolutely battered. I mean, I think they had 29 shots. I think we had two. I don't remember the fucking the shot we had outside of Jared's goal, and it blows my mind that we even scored because it was that bad. And I just mm-hmm. think collectively you'd do well to beat that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. it was it was definitely up there, that's for sure. Right, a penultimate question from Laura Luxy. She said, "Morning, David X. Hope you have a good birthday, a Merry Christmas. Terrible performance on Wednesday to lighten the mood. I have a few Christmas, and I've deliberately thrown some Christmas ones in this week. Christmas, would you rather's for you? So the first one: Would you rather eat Christmas dinner for the rest of your life, or never have it again?" Do you know what? I have to say, and this might surprise a few people, I'm not the biggest fan of roast dinners. I like mm. them, but every now and then. So we are not like, a, right, every single Sunday in the Walker household, it has to be a roast. Because I, I, I find them, if I'm honest, a little bit boring. A little bit boring. So the fault of having to have a Christmas dinner, which is very similar to a roast, every single day of my life, I'm not sure I could do that. So unfortunately have to just um, <clears throat> never have it again and just maybe go over nut roast on Christmas Day or something. <laughs> nut roast. <laughs> <laughs> something just sounds so wrong about that. But anyway, um, I, 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 um, I like a roast dinner and I love a roast dinner outside of Christmas as well. Like I really like going to Toby Carvery's and getting all the meat and all the vegetables and the gravy. I love gravy. I thought I could drink gravy as a drink, not let alone just put it on my dinner. I'd be quite happy to have a flask of gravy for take to football or whatever. It might look a bit weird, but it's something I would consider. But I think when you have too much of anything, it is too much and it, yeah. and you're better. And I'd rather have happy memories of lovely roast dinners than eat the same one every single day. I make myself sick of them. So I think, yeah, I would rather never eat it again than eat it every day. Um, second question. <coughs> would you rather have a Bailey's or a snowball? Um, I think I'd go with a Bailey's. Mm. So I often don't often drink it, but it's a lovely drink. And and you know I can't stand um, champagne. Right. So 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 I'm I'm even if you make a Bucks fizz on a Christmas morning, it's not it's not ideal for me. I, I just don't enjoy it that much. So. I would rather have a small glass of Bailey's on, on Christmas morning. Mm, same. Yeah. See, I'm not a, a massive drinker. Like in the winter, Guinness is my chosen drink. And then, you know, I, then in the summer, it's more maybe, I don't know, a Strella or Peroni or something like that. So I, I'm not a massive drinker. As people know, I used to be, but I think I've damaged my body so badly now. And I get such bad hangovers that I'm not a huge drinker. Certainly not anywhere near in the league you're in, Dave. But, uh, <laughs> you know, um, but I, um, I do like a Bailey's or a Tia Maria or, um, tequila rose, like those kind of like milkshakey type. Liqueurs, I quite like those. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm a fan of Bailey. Like last night, I went out with um, some friends and I had a couple of cocktails, and they were uh, coffee-based liqueur things, and I actually quite like those. To be fair, so yeah, definitely, definitely Bailey's for me. Um, third question on that is: Would you rather a starter or a dessert on Christmas Day? 
Well, something else that might surprise a few people is that I'm I'm not a desserts man at all. Mm. I, I don't have a sweet tooth, so I, mm. I very rarely have desserts uh, in a restaurant. I never have desserts at home. I'm not big on eating chocolate or ice cream and all that kind of stuff. And as you know, it's sweets and all that. You never really see me eat that sort of stuff. Um, but I do love a starter, so that's an easy one for me. I'd, I'd go starter all day long. Yeah, see, I think I'm going to surprise you here, but I think I would actually agree with you and go with starter as well. Because, yeah, like in a restaurant or a sort of Christmas dinner, your sort of your stereotypical starter for Christmas dinner is like a maybe a bit of ham or a prawn cocktail or something like that. Whereas a <coughs> stereotypical dessert would be like a cheesecake or a some cake of some variety. Um, and I'm not that much into cakes and stuff. I actually don't really like cake. Um, I find it too sickly. I like, I like a few mouthfuls, but then a, a lot of it I don't really like. So it's, again, a no-brainer for me. I'd, I'd much rather go into a restaurant. And I was having a starter and a main meal than have a main meal and dessert any day of the week. Mm-hmm, so, yeah, definitely starter. So, sorry. And then final one for Dave. Would you rather eat Christmas pudding for a month or Tottenham win the league? <laughs> <laughs> you know the answer to that question. I'd rather yeah. shit every day. If it meant Tottenham uh, didn't win the league. So yeah, that's an easy one as well. Yeah. <laughs> right. So this is finally good to get some sanity to this podcast. The last question comes from Marder. It is actually something I thought was worth the because I did see split opinions on this, but he's put thoughts on the Ben Johnson performance. I've seen his divided opinion. Personally, I thought he was the best of the bunch. Feel like he's been scapegoated. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, look, it was a terrible performance, generally speaking, but I don't understand why he's been targeted so much. Cause I, if you, if you was to talk about the main culprits individually, and I do believe it was a, it was a bad performance as a group rather than individuals. But if you was to try and pick the bones out of it in terms of individuals, Ben Johnson wouldn't be the name that, I, I would automatically go to him and say he was the worst player on the pitch. But you've said to me that, that a lot of people are saying that. And I don't know. I don't know if I was losing the will to live at one point and I, I, I wasn't really taking in his performance. But I, I certainly don't remember him having an absolute shocker. Mm. No, I mean, I thought he was, I thought he was, as you said, the best of a bad bunch. I wouldn't have said he was great. He gave the ball away quite a lot. One of their goals, I think it might have even been their first one. He could have been more braver in blocking the ball going to his back on it I think if he'd thrown himself out he could have blocked it so it definitely wasn't a great performance but then everyone played badly and I thought he was one of the few players that actually tried to make things happen get on the ball he took a few people on went on a few runs that's what I thought yeah Yeah, was one of the few players that actually tried to make something happen so I agree with Marder I think I think it was harsh harsh to single him out because I I thought he was one of the better ones. I mean, as I said, it didn't play well, but played well compared to most of the others. So, yeah, I do think it's harsh. Unfortunately, certain players that are, you know, subject to play, people not thinking they're good enough whenever they're that sort of player, when it, they're always the ones that people quickly to, to pin it on because they say, oh, well, he was rubbishing that game, rubbishing that game, so he wasn't great today, so we'll just pin it on him as well. And he's always scapegoats, unfortunately. Every team we've ever had, there's been scapegoats, even the likes of Mark Noble and Kevin Nolan have been scapegoats at some points of their, their career. And I think, unfortunately... 
Ben Johnson alongside maybe two or three others is the current scapegoat of the current bunch. And yeah, I don't think he did that much wrong. But unfortunately, because of that tag he has now, people just look to put the blame onto him um, rather than probably do it more accurately. Yeah, yeah, I can see sense in that. Okay, that is the end of the show. As always, thanks for listening and thanks for giving us your questions from everyone at the West Ham way. We hope you have a fantastic Christmas and let's hope West Ham can give us an early Christmas present against Man United tomorrow. Take care, be lucky, and until next week, come on you you irons. Mr Moon has left the building. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.